0: Announcement has been paid for by the WZWA network. Hi everybody, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow. TWN Sean Oliver. My name is Eugene. And you are watching the Insider's Edge podcast. Now get on the
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast in conjunction with the WCWA Network. I'm joined here with Aston Crude and a very, very special guest, uh, WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather, always known as Papa Shango. What's up, guys?
2: Good, <laughs> hey, man. How are you?
0: First of all, what part of the world? I'm in Las Vegas. Where are you guys at?
1: Earth, Australia.
0: So we're a very,
1: very, very long way away from you, man. You're early, busy.
0: early, early in the morning, aren't you?
1: 11 a.m. right now, 11.06 Yep. Yeah, in yeah, in the morning. Wow, what a difference,
0: man! <laughs> yeah, dude,
1: it's nice, isn't it? Like, I think we're 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 still a day ahead of you as well. So you just know the world doesn't end on the nineteenth uh, of May.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just starting smoking. I've been smoking all day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll admit I had I had one before I jumped in the call. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna vibe. But I also wanted to say happy birthday for the other day, bro. Um, thank you, thank you. How did you get up to much to celebrate it? Have a good day.
0: No, you know uh, everything's kind of closed down out here in Vegas still. You know the casinos are closed, and they're just slowly starting to open up stuff. So uh I didn't do much. We just hung around, me, my wife, my son, and the dogs. Just kind of hung out. Uh, we went up to the mountains for a minute and uh, played a little disc golf. Believe it or not, I played disc golf, and uh, we took the dogs up to the mountains to a friend of mine's uh, place and kind of kicked it there during the day and just kind of chilled all day, man. Didn't do too much. Awesome, man.
1: So, it's like, of course, with, it's, it's an absolute crazy world out there right now with uh, the sort of pandemic and everything going on. Yeah. Um, you know, how are you, how are you staying safe with that um, during the pandemic, and has life and business really changed during this time drastically?
0: Oh, man, you know, I was at the club. Um, the clubs are closed, so uh, I'm just uh, staying at home, uh, relaxing, kind of chilling. Actually, I'm enjoying myself. I'm, I'm getting my Instagram up, and uh, we gotta talk about my Instagram. But I've got that up, I got verified, and I'm doing a lot of videos, mostly smoking videos, believe it or not. (laughs) And I'm having a lot of fun, man, just chilling at home, and uh, I'm not too far from being retired anyway, so I'm kind of getting a little feel of it, I guess, and I'm enjoying it, I really am, I really enjoyed it. I'm staying at home a lot, I uh, really enjoy guns. I know guns are not a big thing where you are, but here (laughs) they are, I've got a lot of them, and I enjoy shooting them. And I go out to the mountains. Like I belong to a gun range. I go there, or a gun club, excuse me, and uh, just chilling, man. I smoke a lot. I smoke probably too much. <laughs> uh, but just hanging out with my family, man, and chilling, and with dogs.
1: Awesome, man. That's really good to hear. Like, you know, a lot of people seem to have very uh, different perspectives and stance on it but i think it's given a lot of people the opportunity to stay home with their families for a change especially people that are very very busy and don't get to
0: stay home man so right 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 you know a lot of you people know, especially if you like it like me i like my family so it's nice to be
1: so of course that was going to be my next question if you had been able to tend to more hobbies family time you know little projects around the house with all the extra free time you've had i mean you just answered that question for me so um of course um, you know
0: we uh There are a few mountains out here. We like to go up to the mountains, uh, go on little hikes. Uh, The weather's pretty warm. I don't know what it is there. I think you guys are in Celsius, but in degrees, you know, we're probably around 80 degrees. I don't know what that is in Celsius, but it's nice weather, and uh, we go up to the mountains a lot. Uh, I only go to the store when I have to. The gyms and everything are closed, so, uh, um, you know, I work out a lot at home. I get my cannabis from a good friend of mine, and now I, when I go to his house, he leaves it underneath the porch uh, mat, <laughs> and then I leave the money under the mat and take it. So, uh, it's all good, man. I, I'm really, I'm sure you can tell by my face, man. I'm just enjoying life.
1: Yeah, dude, I've, I've, I've watched a couple of recent interviews of you. I think it was one from a couple of years ago. You just seemed like a really happy dude, man, and that was really awesome to see. You know, um, as i said before, a lot of guys like come from the business, especially
0: from around your area, a lot of them just right. seem to be happy. And, uh-huh. They, uh, give me one second give no me worries. one second Let somebody can help me this light is just my eyes man just <laughs> no worries somebody man. hand me glasses i do this better i might get a little reflection in my eyes i'm sorry but you know, i got these lights on me i'm how bad is that is that too bad no nah, that's, ah, a that's cool i can save the light now i'm now i'm more more chill my beautiful wife's over here i wish i could go get her to give me a ball hitter. <laughs> yeah. blow me up a bucket and bring me a lighter awesome Hey, um, but just, I'm sorry, uh, you know uh, what helps? Like I said, man, I really love my wife and I'm really happy and it really helps to, you know, if you have a happy life, at home, which I do. So I, I like hanging out with them.
1: That's awesome, man. If you really enjoy hanging out with family, it must just, it must be so, just so much better, especially like if you, you know, you can be with them for so, so long. <clears throat> and still after
0: all that time later, it still feels like, you know, day one. You look like you don't believe me and shit. You're like, God, probably give me that lineup full <laughs> shit. I'm like, nah, you know, hey, dude. I'm I'm, you know? I'm single. You know, it could be.
1: I haven't you, got a girl, you, you don't
0: have a girlfriend? Nah. You want one? Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I got hoes in Australia. but I'm telling you, I got them everywhere. Nation, <laughs> that nationwide shit's true, man. Nationwide.
1: <laughs> hey, bro. Well, after the podcast, I'm sure you could um get me a ticket on the ho train.
0: Shit, that or the smoke train, one of the two. (laughs) I'll do both. I'll do both.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, We wanted to, um, I only very recently found out you actually used to be a bouncer. So um, I wanted to actually talk about that. And how long was it before you were a professional wrestler that you were bouncing for?
0: I moved to Vegas in uh, 83, 84. And uh, there was a job waiting for me here as a bouncer. And then I was a bouncer for maybe, you know, a very, very, very short time. Thank you. A very short time. And uh, I became a manager and a bartender. And I really was never, besides that little part of my life, I was never a bouncing. Did I bounce people as a manager? Yes. Did I bounce people as a bartender? But I was never like a doorman, carjit type of dude. I was always in management. But if any shit went down, you know, I handled it. But there was a lot of tough guys back then, man. But yeah, I didn't end up bouncing in my life.
1: <laughs> that would have uh, been a very valuable experience for you, especially um, sort of going into what you're doing now. Um, you know, sort of going from the bouncer, then um, from a story I heard, you, um, you actually went into wrestling from bouncing, is that correct? So, yes. Like, yep, so you sort of um, had pro wrestlers see you and um, said, hey, give us a go. So of course, um, kind of- they were
0: filming, uh, filming. They were filming a movie called Over the Top with Arnold, uh, Sylvester Stallone, yep. arm wrestling movie. You remember that? Yeah. Called Over the Top. Well, those guys. It was filmed right down the street from the topless club that I worked in. It was called uh, Crazy Horse. And those guys, uh, uh, Norton Scott Norton was in it. A lot of wrestlers were in that movie as extras. And I was just big tattooed back then. There was no black people tattooed, you know. And I was all tattooed up bigger this was really big And they're like dude you should become a wrestler and I'm kind of like man I want to do that phony ass shit and <laughs> I'm like a biker dude I mean I'm serious I was like a, Scott Hall always says I'm more like a cowboy biker than you know that's probably closer to me and so uh you know I uh I made a call to uh, the Monster Factory in New Jersey, where they trained Bam Bam Bigelow. And I thought anybody that would have tattoos. I'd go, you know, got to be a cool dude. Made a call, sent a picture, you know. Eight months later, I'm wrestling Jerry the King Lawler in Memphis, Tennessee on a Monday night. Man, literally, it went that fast. It, it went, once I went to wrestling school, things moved fast, real fast.
1: It was a different time back then as well, wasn't it? So it would have been much harder to break in, but I'm assuming just because of your size, your look. You know, easier to break in back then. Oh, much really? easier to
0: break in. There was more territories. That's true. They had yeah. Smoke Without, and they had Mid-South. They had USWA. They had the Carolinas. They had uh, uh, windy city in Detroit. They, I mean, there were so many territories back then that there was a lot of places to go work. You know, now they don't have those territories. But, uh, you know, we all broke in in Memphis for that territory. I mean, anybody that is anybody that is anybody in wrestling went through Memphis. From The Rock to Hogan to anybody. Everybody went through Memphis against Jerry Lawler.
1: Doing all the, uh, the territory stuff. And then also, of course, you know, the, the amazing WWE run you had that ended up with you in the Hall of Fame. You know, yeah. Palmer Schoenberg, Godfather, Goodfather, all the way to the Hall of Fame. And now you're actually doing a gentleman's club venture yeah. in Vegas, man. So let's um let's get into a bit about. Well, it.
0: I, I I was part owner of a club called Cheetahs. Dilo Brown worked for me for like two or three years, awesome. and uh, I we sold it over a year ago. So I'm out of the game now. Sometimes I, uh, well, I was before this virus came out. I was doing little VIP hosting at yeah. a club called the Rhino, where VIPs would actually be hosted by the Godfather, basically. I would set you up with the girls and get you all in the rooms. It was, it was a pretty cool deal, but I don't know if I'm going back to that or not. But other than that, man, just chill and enjoy life. I
2: I am incredibly interested in um, your thoughts on running a gentleman's club and how you first uh, started managing Cheetah's Gentleman's Club. Uh, and I guess, how did you... Stay competitive in such a competitive market like Las Vegas, running a gentleman's club.
0: You know, back then, you know, you're, you're talking about going back to '83, '84, and probably '84, '85 is when I start managing clubs. Mind you, now there's 28, 32 topless-oriented, or nude-oriented clubs in Vegas. Back then, there was only two or three. Right. There was the Crazy Horse One, Crazy Horse Saloon. I uh, think there was Larry's Villa and I mean there was only three or four and, and then we opened up Cheetahs and Cheetahs opened up I think in late 80s but it was you know it was a different game back then and you know it's just a different game. Uh, people were different, so music was different, girls were different, laws were different you know they're a lot more relaxed now than they were back then but uh, you know you didn't have social media back then like you have now so with advertising it was done on the radio you know, word of mouth or go to the conventions and hand out things or, you know, actually go to clubs and hand out things. But there was no social media. So, you know, none of that was happening. It's just, just you worked hard, man. You know, the, the clientele was different, too, back then. Back then, it was more of a biker clientele. It was still back in the early 80s. It was more underground. You know, now it's kind of you know, the happening thing. and It's kind of died down from the new, you know, millennial people. But uh, it was the hot spot for a while. It was a hot spot. Yeah, I can
2: imagine, and uh, I, I, I can also imagine that you probably have a few funny stories from over the years from dealing with uh, uh, badly behaved patrons in your establishments. Uh, do you have any stories that you can tell us here today? <laughs>
0: yeah, you got in the back, then you, you fought every day, I mean, literally, you fought every day, and uh. One time there was a guy in Vegas here called One Kick Nick. He's a legend in, in the States for uh, being a kickboxer and actually knocking people out with one kick. And that's, you know, hence where he got the name. Well, he was the head of security and I was the manager. And uh, back then, like I said, you fought a lot. And uh, The police, nowadays, the police try to encourage the people to sue you. You know, back then the police were on your side. And so uh, we got into a little beef with a guy. I had to, to take him out, so boom, boom, boom. I get into this guy with the black eye, and he called me the wrong thing. And I basically said, I'm not your brother, and uh, we got into it. I, I knocked this dude out, take him out and stuff. we take him outside. Was, we used to throw him in the garbage can back then. We'd take him out back, throw him in the garbage can, call the police, the police would come and arrest him. So we do all this to this dude, right? Boom, bang, boom. And so it's all over and stuff, and I'm like, hell, he had a really nice watch on that where's my watch? Where's my watch? I'm like, Nick, Nick, where's my watch? And Nick goes, oh, hell, that was your watch? He goes, dude, I thought it was the dude you beat up his watch, so I put it on him. <laughs> 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 I need the dude's ass stuff, the dude got my watch, and it was a nice <laughs> watch. <too>. But yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And I don't know if that's a good story or not. That's awesome. It's <laughs> exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, back then you fought a lot. It's not like today. The kids that they don't fight man. back then, you know, it was now they want to sue you and film you and all that type of stuff. Uh, back then, yeah, back then it was just come on, let's go. Yeah, you know, a lot of fighting. I mean, I smile now because I, I don't do that. Anymore. Man, a lot of fighting. A lot of fighting. Jeez, if it were me, I'd be so stressed out
2: every every morning leaving my house. Uh, <laughs> knowing that it's inevitable I'm gonna be getting to a fight today Seriously. with someone I don't know. Like,
0: man, we we look forward. I mean, it was just it was like wrestling, man. After a while, it's just what you do, man. It was just like what are we, I mean, people were like, Hey, what we, I wonder what we're gonna get in tonight? Whatever type of crazy shit's gonna to happen tonight? It was more like that. <laughs> You're just waiting for
2: it. He said and um you'd, you'd handle it real quick, you know? You said uh, D'Lo Brown worked with you uh, back yeah.
0: in the day as well. Um, when he left TNA, I think he was with, after that. He worked the Cheetahs for two, three years for me. Really? Yeah. Have you he uh, ever? Like, uh, he was like a floor supervisor.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Um. People would come in and he'd do his thing. The <laughs> head. <laughs> yeah. Man. Um,
2: have you ever run into Disco Inferno? Cause I know he's worked in some gentlemen's clubs in Vegas. We last- worked
0: at a club called Sapphires and he still works there. Yeah. Uh, I run into him at the Rhino every now and then he'll come in when I was there, he'd come in, he had a lot of friends there. Um, I think he still wrestles out here for FSW and some stuff, but yeah, if I run into him, I run into him at the Rhino.
1: Cool. Jack, what you got next, bro? I wanted to ask was um, sort of being involved in the Gentleman's Club, um, was this always a part of sort of the, um, the post wrestling plan? I know you mentioned that you were still doing sort of it in 83 uh, before the wrestling stuff. Um, was it always sort of part of the plan? Like, did you always sort of want to go back to what you were doing um, before wrestling when you were finished with wrestling?
0: No, no. Um, I wanted to go another route, but you know, things happened and it didn't work out. We were going after the cannabis. Uh, industry and uh it just man it was getting so expensive it cost me a lot of money it wasn't going anywhere so i'm kind of like man i gotta go back to doing what i know best dealing with them <laughs> hoes. Yeah, and so yeah like, so we jumped back into it and you know and we were at cheetahs for like 10 years and that was the general manager there we had you know the mistake it is what it is but yeah i was there from from 2003 till what 2000, what, well, I mommy? Mean, 2017. Oh wow. wow,
1: that's a long stand And of course, um, you know, there was would have been a lot of people that would just would have been coming in there specifically just for you, and I guess that would have helped you um, as well in some some way, uh, more ways than less. Um, when you were sort of trying to sort of stay relevant in Vegas, was there a lot of people that were sort of coming in um, really just wanting to talk to you and not even see the the girls or anything?
0: Most wrestling fans, God bless them. I love wrestling fans, but most of them aren't rich. (laughs) And the clubs that I work at are pretty, pretty, you know, it's pretty expensive. Yeah, They're pretty high-dollar clubs. So most wrestling fans that come through there, they just come to see me. Now I have some wrestling fans that I, you know, that are lawyers and doctors that I do, that come here to spend money. But for the most part, most of them come there just to take a picture with me or, you know, you know, talking a little bit, you know, just, but most of them come there to see me. As long as they buy a drink, they're all right. Yeah.
1: As long as, they, you know, they're still spending money at the door, they're spending money at your bar.
0: Yeah. My, my wife says I have no problem talking about myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to um, start moving over to uh, your wrestling career now. Um, you know, we got, there's plenty of things that you did accomplish, so we don't want to go into too many things that you've already spoken about to God knows how many other people.
2: Uh, when you have the Monday Night Wars and you have all these iconic characters that were on Monday Night Raw every single week and then the invasion angle comes along and all of a sudden those characters that really helped beat WCW like The Godfather, Val Venus, Al Snow, Goldust, a whole bunch of them, they weren't really a part of such an important storyline and we were wondering you know, what was going on with you during that time and why such an iconic character from Monday Night Raw wouldn't be in there battling WCW on television,
0: didn't even look at it like that, man. The same thing is, it, to me, it was a job. It wasn't. It wasn't my real life. It was a job. So I was hired to do a job. I did that job. They paid me very well to do that job. I used to tell people there could only be so many Stone Cold, Rocks, and Undertakers, and Shawn Michaels, and there could only be so many. So there's a lot of talent that goes through. I mean, it is what it is. It's a business. We can't forget it's a business. You can't utilize every talent that you have. You've got it. There's too many storylines. There's too much time. You have to invest in people. You just can't. So there's a lot of talent that goes waste by the side. It's just how it is. But to me, it's a business. They took care of me. They paid me really well. They still, I'm under a merchandise contract with them. They still put out merchandise and take care of me. You know, it is what it is, but it was a business. It was not my life. Wrestling was almost my second job, not my first. I always had the clubs. And the clubs made a lot of money in the clubs, man. And, you know, clubs paid a lot and bought a lot of stuff. So I always had the clubs. So wrestling for me was kind of a way out to just go have fun and enjoy myself. I never took it to the point where I was gonna become the most uh, technical wrestler in the world. I went out there, especially after Papa Shango. I just started having fun. I'm like, you know what? In the spot that you're in to make the most money that you can make, I'm gonna entertain the people, man. I'm just gonna entertain them. That's what we came up with. My wife came up. Actually, my wife came up with the Godfather, not me. She came up with it, and uh, it was the best thing in the world that ever happened for me. Is <laughs> it? just got to be me. I wasn't a voodoo man. I wasn't the ultimate fighter. I wasn't. Uh, I, I was just. The Godfather, just Charles Wright, being Charles Wright. And I am so much like the Godfather, as you can see now. That's just how I am now at this stage of my life. Earlier in life, I wasn't so nice of a guy. But, you know, as I've gotten older, man, it's just, I'm a lot more chill. And I enjoy things a lot more.
1: Cool. That's awesome, man. It definitely feels like you literally quite live the Godfather gimmick. And it it might not even be a gimmick at that point anymore, is it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Still do, bro. Still do. <laughs>
1: um, we obviously you were in a backstage crew way back in the day. We wouldn't even call it a crew. Let's just call it a brotherhood. Um, you know the Bone Street Crew (BSK). Um, you know it would have been you, all your all your closest friends in the business. Um, this includes guys like Taker, Rikishi, you know Yokozuna, the likes. Um, well, what are some of your fondest BSK memories from traveling on the road show to show
0: back in the nineties? Um, it's not the memories, man. We hung out every day. That's what the whole part of BSK. BSK stood for bone Street crew because TVs, man, you would go to TV, get there one in the afternoon. You might be there till 11 o'clock at night and have one match at 1030, you know? Yeah. So you had a lot of time on your hands. So. Yoko was the one that started the BSK, and we were all guys that just rode together. We listened to the same music. We rode together, we went to clubs together, we went to bars together, we fought together, and uh, Yoko just started. People think it was Undertaker, but it was Yoko. And Yoko used to say, BSK, let's go, BSK, time to play. And uh, we would all play dominoes, and that's where that came from. We were just buddies, man. And there were guys that hung out at night, we stayed in the hotels, we've been at the same cars, you know, we just that was our crew. It was a tough crew. But that was our crew. We weren't up again. We like, had nothing to do with with the click or any of that stuff. It was just it was our crew. BSK.
1: That's yeah, that's why it feels like to me. It was way, way more of a brotherhood than a click or a crew or you know anything. Yeah, man, a deal. It's it's a lot of I time. talked
0: to I, I I talked to Taker, I talked to Rikishi, mostly on Instagram though, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, I talked to Rikishi, I talked to uh Taker, uh, no, we to, uh, well, Van Dam wasn't in the BSK. Uh, a lot of like Yoko's not around anymore. Savio Vegas in Puerto Rico, he likes my stuff. The Godwins, they're doing their thing, you know. No, well, I, I know WWE have this uh thing that
2: they have on the network called Table of Three, where three people get together for dinner and right. such. I think a great episode would be yourself, Rikishi, and Taker. Uh, eating a bit of dinner, having a drink, and uh, playing dominoes. I think that'll be a good episode of Table
0: for Three. You know, at this press I'm not, I'm not for sure, but at this last WrestleMania, I know it was cancelled, but they were paying me to do like, like five or six vignettes, and it was all about BSK.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: So I don't know how far that went into it, but you know, I've I've done a lot of stuff. The Tables for Threes, I've done a couple of those, uh, and you know. I, I I've talked about. I don't know. If, I hear Taker just had some type of Dr. that just came out. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm. Am I on? Have you seen it? Yep. I've seen. Uh, there's
1: two two parts out so far. Um. I think the first one was covering. Uh, was it the WrestleMania 33 match with Roman or the, the sort of the lead up to it, the tail end, and then the recent one, sort of his redemption from that because he apparently absolutely hated that match, it was disgusted in his performance. Then yeah. Really come back and you know show everyone the dead man still got it. A year later, so there's only those two episodes so far, um, and I think how many
0: episodes are there? I think it's four, isn't
1: it? Four or five? Uh,
0: I know, like a year or so ago, uh, at at the club, they came down to the club, maybe a couple years ago, and uh, they did it. They told me they were doing a documentary on them, and I did a lot of talking about them. So, oh, cool. I don't know if I've showed yet, but I've got to show somewhere because I talked two hours about BSK and being on the road. I met Taker like in '88. Oh wow. Became good for the and so we talked about that, BSK and our relationship and our relationship today. So I was wondering if any of that shown yet.
1: Well if, if well I'm I've been watching it every week when they come out and so has Carl. So I'm sure when whenever we see it, I'll send you a photo or a video. Please do. And I'll um, somebody somebody'll
0: let me know. Somebody'll say, Oh man, taker nah. this you know anytime taker <laughs> says anything about me or it comes out, it comes back to me right away. Yeah, I think that would be the
1: uh, the funny part. The funniest part about wrestling fans is uh, news hits them quicker than it hits you. Uh, that's About true. the sounds of things. Yeah, like,
0: that's so true. Uh, that's you know funny. about that like, the kid that came up missing, man. Yeah. Uh, the w- what, uh, What's his name? Shad. Yeah, Shad. man. I, yeah. That's sad. Oh, that's but sad. I, I woke up this morning and it was all I didn't hear about it until I got on Facebook and stuff, and it was fans telling me about it. Yeah. You know. That's sad. That's anyway. That's we're not going to get into that. But that's really
1: sad. No, nah, it is. uh it's horrible, man. Twenty twenty has been such a such a shitty, year, man, I've you know with the pandemic and you know everything's going on. Like the world's son, it sort of just been flipped upside down. And I don't, and I don't think it's really been the best year for really anyone. But hey, what what else can you do? The, everything happens for a reason. It is what it is. Right, right, right. Um. So, uh, continuing from um. Just uh, for the BSK stories, uh, well, memories. What are your favorite, like, sort of Yoko Zuna um, memories or moments with that guy? I know I've heard he's very, very tough back in the day. You know, has a history like, <laughs> of keeping people in line and making sure that. You know,
0: uh, I'll tell you something most people don't know about Yoko is hell of a basketball player. Really? And there was a video on Instagram that had posted. And, and he could play, he was so big you couldn't guard him because he was his <laughs> ass was so big you couldn't get close to him and he'd set you up, back you in hit the little shop. Okay, I'll tell you where I'm at. you could stop it. But he used to he's a hell of a basketball player, man. You know, you can play some ball, people and he could shoot. You have no idea. You could play I have basketball. No idea. He was as big as he was. <laughs> I spent no a audience. lot of time with him. He uh one time we were out of like I said, I was and still, I'm into country music. I, I listen to all type of music, but mostly. I, 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 I'm in my truck. I listen to country music, and I'm driving down the road. And I don't hold me to this. Take I'm driving. Yoko's to my right. We're in a big league Continental. Yoko's to my right. Take this behind me, and I'm not sure it's either Paul Bear or Macho Man's behind Yoko. I'm not sure one of those two. And so we're driving down the road, and I've, I've got Hank Williams Jr. on, right. I'm just jamming and just singing nice to chew to back up. And I'm singing my country <laughs> music and I'm driving Yoko looks at me. Yoko looks at the cassette deck, cassette deck back there. Yoko looks at me, puts <laughs> his window down, he checks his tape, throws it out the window, and looks at me and says, Hey motherfucker, anybody ever tell you you black? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a true story, man. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, because Yoko okay. was a rapper, man. He was like just total rapper. People have no idea. Yoko could rap. He put a mic and he just did the beat. You know, he grew up beatboxing and dancing in San Francisco for money, man. People don't know that. Wow. But he was a rapper. He could really like Booyah track. Rap. He could really rap. Wow. That's amazing. I had no, absolutely no idea. I, like, I couldn't even so teach so He didn't understand all. that country music side.
1: <laughs> i just i'm trying to picture him just playing basketball man i just i had no i've you, you
0: are you guys on instagram yeah yes Yep. okay well first of all everybody better start following me i don't know how many followers you have but i hope it's a lot but you better start following me i am the godfather on instagram verified i've only been on for a few months kind of active but a lot of cool things have been happening, man. And my followers are going up quick. But I could use a lot more. So, you guys, follow The Godfather. See some cool stuff. Absolutely. Thought, I'll uh, I'll post that but, next to you. Please. But, hey, Rikishi, if you follow him, he posted a, a video of somebody in Yoko playing basketball. That's why I brought that up. It was only, like, a week ago. And it's on Instagram on Rikishi's Instagram, his official Instagram, and Yoko's playing basketball. You'll see him backing the dude up, hitting the jump shot. I'm telling you, Yoko can play. Please take the time and look that up. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I'm going to definitely look, watch that after this. I'm, I'll even try to find it and put it into the into the final video so everyone can
0: find it and then also go follow Rikishi for. You guys uh, don't mind if I take a hit? You know? ah, go, for it, right? go, go for it. Absolutely not. Go for it. it. don't mind if I take a bong hit? I mind car. you I am a cougher. It's not bad to cough. I know people say you gotta cough. You get off. I got a little ball here. It's got a little bit of flour in there. I think you can see that. Actually, there's a whole lot of flour in there. So hey, cheers. Cheers.
1: George, why do I need to live with my dad eh? <laughs> Right, <laughs> that was me an hour ago.
0: <laughs> now I feel better. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> day, man. Bro, seriously, cannabis. I'm gonna take these off. You know, talk about cannabis, so I'm gonna be serious. Yeah, it was too bright before. 27 years old. I'm Papa Shango, Who should I look at? Should I look here, you, there? Who should I look? Where should I look? Um, yeah. Sure if you want. Yeah. <laughs> right. anyway. for- Papa Shango, 27 years old, going through a divorce. Undertaker's filming a movie called uh, Suburban Commando. And I'm sitting and always like Big Dog. Taker calls me Big Dog. He's like, Big Dog, come on to LA chill with me. I'm filming this movie. Get your mind right. Now mind you, I'm 27 years old. I've made you smoke marijuana three, four times in my life. Because I'm older, man, I'm 59 years old now. And when I grew up, it was, people they used to scare you. The only, only hippies smoked marijuana. If you, fall, if you smoke marijuana, you're gonna lose your mind. So I grew up during that period. So I didn't, but when I went to college, you know, all the really good athletes smoked weed and I didn't understand that. But I still did, I, drank, I didn't. I didn't smoke weed. So moved to Undertaker, so he's filmed this movie. And I meet this guy who's driving one of the guys in the, I'm not gonna say names, but he's driving one of the main guys in the movie around and he just happens to be his marijuana dealer. And so I got to be good friends with this guy and uh, he got me to try it. And when I tried it, and he had really good marijuana because he sold to all the celebrities in LA. And when I tried it, I just felt better. And my back didn't hurt anymore, and this didn't hurt. And I went to the gym, and my workout was better, and uh, food tasted better. And then as time went on, now mind you, at this time I'm taking soma's, Vicodins, Percocets, uh Halcyon. I was no cocaine, nothing like that. Drinking a, a, a big old bucket head a of Jack Daniels a day would take her, and that's how I was living. Well now. A year or so after when I tried marijuana for the first time, I'm doing none of that, and to this day I'll take a leave. I'll take some Tylenol. I'll take no pain pills whatsoever, none. No matter how I feel. If I don't feel good, I'll smoke some cannabis, and it'll make me feel better. And at my age, and if you look at me and you look at some of the guys that are my age, I mean, there's a big difference. That's because those guys are still taking the pills. Those guys are still drinking. Still doing the autograph signings and hanging out with all the fans and them buying them drinks and messing with the rats and ah, I get high going my room place entire Tiger Woods call you know <laughs> and so uh, that's that's what it is man It's kind of saved my life and I think that's why I'm doing better at my age right now and I don't look too bad at my age yeah you know? but I I put, it, I put it on cannabis see that's awesome. Um, so, kind of a
1: conclusion you got from um, your your experience with that is that you actually feel like cannabis has actually helped you with age.
0: Yes, oh. yes. Cannabis got me off of a lot of pain pills, man. And all these guys that have died in over these years, man, from <laughs> Eddie Guerrero, man. I used to try to get Eddie Guerrero to smoke weed. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh-huh. and I'd be like, Eddie, hey, I can't tell you how many times that uh, me and Taker would come in and see Eddie, not doing too well at the bar, and put him over our shoulders and take him to his bed, and put him in his room, in his room. And the next day, we're getting up and Eddie's in the gym working out. And you're like, motherfucker, I just put you in the bed three hours ago. But <laughs> I used to try to get him to smoke weed, man. And he wouldn't do it. He goes, oh, it makes me eat too much. And just a lot of these guys that have died from things, I used to try to get him to smoke. And, and back then, man, I don't know about now, And the wellness programs are a lot more strict now but uh, back then, a lot of guys smoked me they really didn't me and a handful of guys smoked and none of them smoked like me <laughs> yeah. so um, you know i, I you know I, I learned it a long a long time ago that uh, it, it it helped me and it works for me so it doesn't work for everybody but it works for me and i smoke it a lot
1: that's right man um it does not work for any for everyone uh, this is
0: juice too this is this is actually just apple juice <laughs>
1: Apple juice on the rocks.
0: That apple juice on the rocks with a little American honey. <laughs> um, so, did you guys watch the, all, the Brawl for All? Oh, that's uh, yeah.
1: something we did want to talk to you about. I don't
0: believe you didn't ask me about that.
1: Hey, we'll go actually get into that. We're getting there. We're getting there. See? Uh, but hey, we I'm may as well banana. get to it now Um, with the Brawl for All. So, um, of course, you you showed up on the um, Dark Side of the Ring episode. You know, you did a, a bit of a bit of talking about it, you know, about your experiences, your thoughts on it and everything. Um, sort of what was your thoughts on the episode? Like, have you watched any of the Dark Side of the Ring episodes back yet?
0: I watched it a week before anybody seen it, yeah. at least because you were going to talk about it on the uh, after show. So I got to see it. Um, it was a good version of what happened. I mean, it was a true story. I mean, it was... I didn't know about all that backdoor, you know, what was his name? Joe, what's his name? Uh, Russo. He's Uh, not one of them. I'll just say Russo. Vince Russo, is that Vince Russo? He didn't write for me, I think, in the, the, uh, you couldn't see because they didn't have me on camera, but I was making all type of faces when he was on. Because uh, one time, and don't hold this, I would say this is 99.9% true, but, one time when he was asked, "Why do you write for The Godfather?" he said, "I don't write for Bit Carter's."
1: Jeez, right? Now
0: he, I didn't, I so I, on, on the show on the after show, you hear me bring up, "Hey, did you ever write for me?" and he's like, "Oh, well, nobody knew how to write for you because nobody was do it." Yeah, man. so <laughs> so people, I people don't know that when I was doing, I know we're going off the subject of of the Brawl for All, but when I was doing The Godfather, I was not scripted in what. So ever at all, nothing. They didn't even ask me what I would say at all. Nothing. If they had a te- like, if I was doing interviews and they wanted me to hit a town, a Summer Slam, or something, I would add that into my speech. But nowadays, everything is scripted, completely scripted, word for word. And yeah. nobody—they would. This is what this is what they would tell me. Hey, you, I need you to be really good tonight. That would Vince would say. Ha ha. Hey, Charles. I need you to be really, really good tonight. That's what he would say to me. And I'd be like, you got it, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I was not scared at all. Isn't that wild? At all. I had freedom to say whatever I wanted to say during the attitude. I could say whatever I want. And then there's a, I don't know if you guys know who Be Real is with Cypress Hill. Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah, I think Undertaker told a story one time about out drinking him. But I got to be, I was good friends with him at one point. And uh, he used to say, how are you getting away with saying what you're saying on TV? And I used to say, bro, I don't think people ought to really know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, but back to the bra for all. Uh, What was your questions about that?
1: Well, I was just, obviously, we got your thoughts on the uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode when it aired. Um, I thought it was good. I kind of, I think you may have already answered the question that Carl had. Um, It was about. I guess, um,
2: and and I want to actually go back to what you were saying about Vince Russo before, about him saying uh, he doesn't write for mid-carders. From everything that I've watched of him when he talks about uh, his days writing in the WWF, he actually prided himself on ensuring that uh, everyone had a direction storyline-wise, no matter if it was Austin or if it was anyone else lower on the card. Um, I think he was prided himself on ensuring everyone had... um, something to do on the show and he also prided himself on the fact that um he people have the uh, freedom to go out there and use their voice and 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 they want to say on the microphone and not script things too heavily unless someone really needed help um but well I uh, guess
0: I guess I didn't need any help then. definitely
2: not I could I could I can totally tell you just being yourself out there
0: (laughs) (laughs) but You know what, it probably wouldn't have worked if they would have scripted me because literally, bro, I would, you know what was cool about the Godfather is if I was working against you, you, we knew the finish, you knew what the finish was, but you knew nothing else. You knew (laughs) nothing else, I'd be like, see out there, man. And that's all (laughs) it would be because you'd only have so much time. You'd have anywhere from seven to ten minutes. And you would know how long my match was going to be by how many girls I came out with. (laughs) <laughs> because you had to bring them to the ring. You had to get them in the ring. You had to do your whole Pippin' Ain't Easy thing. You had to get them out of the ring. And you had, oh, dude, you're three and a half, four minutes in already. And now <laughs> you've got three minutes to have a match and get the girls back in the ring. Yeah. You know, what, so I want to ask. Okay, so, no, hang on. so how much talking do we really need to do? <laughs> uh, so what was cool about The Godfather especially at the time when I was offering you the girls, I would kick gas ass anyway. So you might as well just, come on, man, listen to these people. Have a good time. Take these hoes. Fuck this wrestling. Take these hoes and have a good time. Right? And uh, <laughs> there's,
2: there's one thing I, that I always uh, I always seem to notice when I watch it back. It always seems like referee Tim White is yes. – uh, why was it uh, always him that was ended up in a pile of uh, uh, <sighs> women? <laughs>
0: i fucked that up so bad bro i fucked that up so bad tim white was my referee you know what an honor it is you know who else's referee was tim white andre the giant yeah that was timmy's last guy that he worked exclusively with and then he would work with me exclusively he did all my matches uh, we had it down where I'd take the cigar and throw it in the air and he would catch it, put it away. And at the end, the girls would dance with him and we <laughs> had it down. And then I, my stupid high ass, fucked it up. We're in somewhere in uh, either South Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, one of the fucking towns, right? And uh, there, back then, they'd run two shows. and Not really an A&B team, but two shows. I mean, really, literally... You, they would run reno and vegas at the same time you know they'd run and so we were in i, I it was making georgia and something else georgia i remember it now and then i remember asking i remember how did it go man i asked somebody some question because i was probably out partying i hide shit and something i'm like well where's 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 timmy at somebody said he's here i'm like wherever timmy is i'm here well, whoever told me that told me the wrong place. So I show up at that town, and as soon as I get there, I'm like, where's the hose, man? Because when you get there, they always had a sign that said oh, Godfather's okay. Hose. And I would talk to the girls first, get them settled in before I did my shit. And I'm like, where's the hose? And they're like, Godfather, you're not supposed to be here. And I'm like, like, dude, you're supposed to be in this other town, and I'm like, really? And am like, oh, fuck, and it was too far away to make it, so I just didn't work that night. And then when Vince found out that the reason that I missed the show was because I thought Tim White was at the show and I went there, that Godfather and Tim White didn't need to be together anymore. Oh, so nice. Vince broke that up. And then other people started to do it. And I feel to this day, every time I see Timmy, I'm like, Timmy, I'm so sorry I fucked that up. You know, but that's a true story, man. And wow. it was so cool. And then it got to the point where, Timmy, I was a smoker. Timmy was a drinker. And so it was, they wanted me and he wanted to ride with me. But we, oh. we lived different lives, you know. Right. He wanted to go to the uh, the sports pub and drink, you know, pints all night with somebody, you know. Or, at that time, we were going to strip clubs and bars and country bars. And, you know, he wasn't doing that. So, But, uh, yeah, I messed that up pretty bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it seems like the referees just used to have so much more character back then than they do now. Like um you know guys like El Hebner, everyone knows El Hebner. And then he'd be not afraid to get in anyone's face, even if it was Triple H. Uh, Dave, <coughs> we
2: yes,
0: him and Dave. Well we good all we, of
1: mine.
2: when when we were kids we knew the name
1: of every referee, you
0: know. Yeah. You don't anymore? I don't watch the show, so I don't Neither. know.
1: Neither. No. I know that you would have been on the road with Owen a lot back in the day. Do you have any favourite Owen Hart rib stories? I've heard he was an absolute God, you
0: know just just the same old rib stories that are out there <clears throat> people always ask me did owen ever rib me because I was pretty i was real good friends with owen yep and uh i always said if he did i didn't know about it so uh <laughs> just the same old stuff or, or owen was let me tell you what owen was i when the first time i went to japan i met owen and Owen taught me how to take the trains, the train system, he taught me how to order food, he taught me how to get to the dojo. And then when I went to Germany, Owen was there when I worked for Arnold Bonds. Owen showed me the, how to get to the gym, Owen showed me you know, how to order food, Owen showed me all that stuff. Hang on, everything's falling apart here. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, he was just always a good dude, man, and just there to help, and. Um, I was really good friends with him, man. He, 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 <laughs> I used to pick him up when I was in Germany. Me, Scott Hall, Owen Hart, Chris Benoit, Dave Taylor, Vic Finley, Salvatore Malomo, Rambo, uh, Paul New, who was Cannonball Grizzly, and they would be in the PM News. That was the people that were there every day. But Owen, he would just, he, Owen was just a good dude, man. He would just make sure that you were taken care of. Just yeah. a really nice guy, hard worker, nice guy. Uh, you know, most people know that that was against me when that happened. And we were having a match that night. And just, uh, and I spent a lot of time with him that day. Just good dude, man, just the world lost a really good person.
1: Yeah, man, it's, it is heartbreaking as well looking back on it. And I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go on too much about it. I, I, Yeah, love the hearing, story did and,
0: enough for that.
1: I love hearing yeah. sort of, you know, stories about guys. Just like, a good oh, dude,
0: hard. funny. <laughs> tennis funny guy good guy good and if you wrestled against him it was a night off <laughs> yeah, <he's laughs> it was a night off and you were good at the end of the night you were gonna just be like you crazy motherfucker I don't believe you did that out there you know it was, it was a night off if you're wrestling Owen it was a night off
1: that's awesome man I'm, I'm glad that you uh, that everyone like so many people have so many great memories of Owen Hart and I think uh, that's um that's re- it's really sweet man um you know, it's just a tragic It's so tragic, but we don't. You know, everyone's spoken about it so many times, and um, uh, it's kind of one of those things we don't need to go into too much. Just no. appreciate the happy memories of him, man. Um, of course, the big one, the WWE Hall of Fame. When did you find out?
0: I was in my truck going somewhere, and uh, who called me? Uh, uh, uh Corrado. Corrado called me. And uh, I'm driving on the road. He's like, "So you all set?" Because I've been going to WrestleManias for like the last ten years. I'm just signing autographs and doing the signings and showing up. And, yeah. But I've been going like every year for the last ten years. So he's like, "Are you all set for Mark Carano's his name?" So he's like, "You're all set." Uh, I don't know if you guys know who that is. Yeah, um, I don't. I think he's head <laughs> of talent or relations or something. Yeah. something like that. But he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Yep. so he's like you're all set uh he goes, "Who are you bring i'm like who am i fucking bringing i love my wife and one of my kids my youngest kid he goes well why don't you bring your whole family and i'm like where, where the fuck i want to bring my whole family bro <laughs> he goes because vince decided to put you in the hall of fame this year whoa and that's how i found out and i'm like oh wow man you joked, joking right so <laughs> yeah. they make a special entertainment or pimp category for me and shit he goes, no, it came up and Vince said, no, of course, we got to put Charles in there. Oh, awesome. Man. That's how it went to with me, you know? Of course, that, that, must, that would mean,
1: that, uh, to me, that's probably the biggest accomplishment you can get in professional wrestling next to winning the big one, the WWE title. Um, hey, well, you're right. I can imagine that it means absolutely so much to you, but um, I just want to know exactly sort of, you know, um, being able to look back on the last 20 to 30 years, how much does being in the Hall of Fame just make it everything so worth it? The traveling, the bumps, you know, everything you've had to go through, like that would have been the most satisfying feeling ever.
0: To me, it means that most importantly, Vince recognized your contributions to the company, both financially and historically, and. Everything from to this day, people asking me, you made the ultimate warrior throw up. I mean, you know how many years ago that was? And people to this day are still asking me that. part of that and then be part of the nation of domination. Be part of the growing of rock. Be part of attitude. Uh, Every character that I had made the money. Every character that I had, had merchandise. The godfather, excuse me. The Godfather to this day is still making money as Merchandise wise for. Uh, and I they have been very good to me to this day. They keep me under contract. They keep me a little bit relevant. Uh, and they take care of me, man. And so I think that's just more about the type of person that I am. And I think with them, I consider myself a little bit of family. No matter how the business went. Vince always paid me what he said he was gonna pay me. He never promised me a rose garden, you know. <laughs> uh, he always, he never, he could have beaten the hell out of me. Cause I used to, I would come and go because I wasn't happy. And I'd be like, Vince, I'm not having fun anymore. And that's why you'd see me and he goes, i like, especially at Papa Sean, goes, that's going through a weird time with my ex-wife. and I wasn't in a good place. And I was like, Vince, I gotta go. And he'd be like, well, Charles, go home. and You are ready to come back? Give us a call. And then I come back and then Taker would call me and say, hey, you want to do this ultimate fighting thing? And I'm like, not really. And they're like, well, uh, you can ride a Harley. And I'm like, I can ride a Harley? I'm like, oh, hell, I'll do that. <laughs> so I came back, in calmer. And then that didn't really work. So I came, I'm like, Vince, I'm not having fun. I'm going home. So I went home again. And then they uh, called me and said, we want to bring back Papa Shango. And I'm like, oh, we're going to do this and this and that and that and this. So we get the outfit, we get everything done, right? And I show up at TV with all my Papa Shango shit. And Vince goes, or somebody says, hey, Vince wants to see you. I'm like, cool. So I go, there, what's up, Vince? Da, 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 da. He goes, Charles, change your plan. He goes, we're going to put you in the group, the Nation of Domination tonight. You and Ron Simmons are going to have a handicap match against The Undertaker, and you're going to go over. Cool. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> And that's how I got in the Nation of Domination. And the reason they did that, because that's the same night that they had Cain. I don't know if they started Cain, or he would just came in that night, or he just started. But they didn't want two mysterious characters like that, where they were turning uh, their lights. They didn't want two of them. Makes sense. And so they, they said, no, Godfather. And so they put me in the Nation. And that's how I got in the Nation.
1: And of course, looking back, and then man, they,
0: gave me some, they gave me some gear to wear and stuff. Yeah, I swear to God. <laughs> That's how I got the nation.
1: And what an awesome stable that it ended up turning out to be, right? Like, oh, you know, man.
0: So awesome. And it, Those guys, I'm in contact with every one of them. I mean, not Ahmed Johnson, but uh, not Rock. But I talked to Dilo. I talked to uh, Mark Henry. I talked to Ron Simmons all the time, you know? Oh, so man. it's pretty cool.
1: That's such an awesome group of guys as well, man. Like you wouldn't want to be on the other end of them. Let's just, let's say that <laughs> <laughs> um, we wanted to finish off these into uh, this interview with a couple, uh, just a couple segments. seconds. Carl's going to run. Um, one of them is, uh, we'll just start with the fact or fiction. Carl, if you want to take it from there.
2: Yeah. Uh, Charles, this, uh, this is called fact or fiction. I've, I've, There's only four things that I was able to find um, that I wasn't sure whether it was really true or not. So I thought I'd, you know, get confirmation from you whether or not these are. (laughs) Um, Is it true that there was a story once where you were performing in the ring and you had hose at ringside that didn't quite understand what they were supposed to do, and they started kind of making out and touching, touching each other up. And you, true,
0: true, yeah, true. bunch of times, bunch oh of times. Awesome, because <laughs> you know what? I would tell the girls because it would be like you would meet the girls usually an hour or two before the show, or you went on, and so I would tell the girls bring alcohol, bring drinks, get drunk, get lit. So a lot of times, you know, they're strippers. They were all strippers. So come on, strippers, and uh, what? What's, what was that drug called? That, uh, molly? Not Molly. Something that made you feel really good. And made you want to have sex and shit. I oh, forgot that libra? drug. Yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they would. They would be all touchy-feely. They'd get out there and they'd start. Oh yeah. True. <laughs> and I would. I would go like this. Like I was filming it with the camera, going like. This. <laughs> okay true true
2: okay um the the next one is uh is it true that there was a possibility that you were going to end up being the enforcer of the nwo but virgil contacted wcw and said to them that he'll do that role at a cheaper cheaper price so you never got brought in
0: i would say that they called virgil to see if he'd do it for a cheaper price true okay (laughs) yeah right and then you just ended
2: up not getting a call back from Stubby
0: I was, I, I was, thought I was dialed in on the price and everything. And then uh, I was waiting for them to call me. And uh, nobody, and I'm calling this, I'm not going to say names, but I'm calling this one and this one and that one. And nobody's returning my calls. And all of a sudden I put on the show and I see Virgil come out as the bodyguard. <laughs> so that's how I found out. But it was great because I became the godfather.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, is it true that you used to get the uh, hoes that would come in to um, to do the role, you get you get them to get their boyfriends to get you some weed? True. <laughs> uh, and the last one I had, is it true that you blazed up with iced tea after WrestleMania 2000?
1: False. Damn it. Damn it! That would have made this awesome story.
2: <laughs> okay, yes, well, it's, it's called Five Second Frenzy. You've uh, you've got five seconds to answer the question. It's uh, not too much pressure though. But they're just just ones, just to learn a little bit about things that you like. Um, first of all, who's your favourite musical artist? Tupac. What is your favourite alcoholic drink? Jack Daniels. What is your favorite curse word?
0: Motherfucker. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite female body part? Uh, I'm a kitty man. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I wish I would get my wife in this picture. I'm a <laughs> titty man. Uh, what is your favorite TV show? Right now it would be Street Outlaws. It's a, a show about uh, people racing cars. Nice. Uh, What is
2: your favorite uh, type of cannabis?
0: Would be a sativa and possibly an OG Kush, but definitely a sativa, not an indica. Definitely a sativa.
2: Nice. Well, that was just a few questions there, just to finish things. I didn't need the five
0: seconds. What's up, you you guys?
2: you, 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 you were perfect. You did a great job.
1: I didn't even count the five seconds, man. So don't even worry. <laughs> no, didn't do.
2: And even if he didn't, even if he exceeded the five seconds, there's nothing I can do about it. So
1: <laughs> thank you very much for your time uh, this evening. You're welcome, okay. man. Um, I'll keep you in touch. I'll keep you in the loop of the links. I'll plug all your social media yes. and Instagram. And let's get you a few more followers. Thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thank you. Really appreciate the time. Peace, guys. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, man.